passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in 76ers Podcast. I'm Marcus Dash here with legendary point guard Eric Snow and my brother Tasia Dash. Gentlemen, we have Sixers basketball now, and we're one to know in the preseason. <laughs> yes. Always happy when you win. And played against Simmons in the Nets. Yes. They say preseason like- don't matter until you lose. Yeah. I think it mattered yesterday. So. <laughs> Although the the, uh, the person postgame asked uh, Simmons uh, how, how his debut felt. He said it doesn't count as his debut. His debut's against the Jazz game one of the season. Yeah. I know he doesn't believe. He does not believe that. He's just saying that. What, what would you say, Eric? I mean, is that is that? I mean, would you say te- technically his debut is game one of the regular season? But I mean, can the preseason count as a debut too? Since you haven't played in two years. <clears throat> Excuse me. I wouldn't say it's a debut. Um, I, I would. I would say it's a kind of a prerequisite for the debut. It's, you're kind of getting your 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 feet up under you. It's just almost like. Okay, we done did all this practices and all this working out. Now let me get a few games in. Um, but I, I agree the debut is the first game. That's, that's me, the debut. Normally, that's, though. That's, that's for a normal player, though. No, I'm, no, I'm just no, – no, I'm saying I, I think the debut is more for when you have more reg, um, regularity on minutes – Stats when all the things are going to matter and it's going to be how the season's going to go. No, yeah, with yeah, a preseason and you're only playing ten to fifteen minutes, it's different. But I think that's why I think it's it's when the real season starts and when it's like, dude, why are you not playing? Or why are you not doing this? Or why they, you know, what's what's the decisions or the rotations? When all of that begins, then it's we can say yes, that's a big, that's 
to me, yes, that's a debut. To I me, see. it's just like he just getting the chance to kind of get some get a feel for the debut. Yeah. Well, I what I meant by what I said was, and I agree with everything you said, and I think it also applies more toward someone who's just coming into camp and wants to just like start yeah. shaking rust off. But for a guy that hasn't played in two years, he, I I would say jumping the hurdle of playing his former team in probably one of the closest cities to his former city mm-hmm. for his mental state was maybe bigger than playing in a game against Utah. Um, yeah, I mean, a- I, 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 I get what you're saying. I mean, my only thing is I don't think the Sixers game plans for him. That's where I think it'll be different. Mm-hmm. Teams, we would have fouled him a lot more. That's what I'm saying. He had a couple opportunities where he had the basket. Teams are going to foul him. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let him come in there and dunk the ball and lay it up like we did. Yeah, we so did. That's right. where it's going to be very different uh, because teams, especially early on, they're going to test you. Let's see where you at. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's why I think it's it's different because the things that he's going to face during the season. He's not really facing in the preseason. It's crazy though, man. His first game in in two years since the Atlanta, and he plays the team he played for. That's nice. That's crazy, man. The NBA it helps. I mean, you're at home though, so that that helps. True. Well, uh, sometimes it didn't I, sound. I, if good. he was on the road, I would. It would have been interesting to see if he would have played. Mm-hmm. If it was in Philly, There's a lot of booze on those free throws. So I don't. I mean, that that that, that stadium. A lot like, of Philly fans there. Like thirty percent Philly, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, there, there were a lot, a, a lot of boobers there from Philly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, his turnaround jumper that he had uh, that he he missed the he missed the hoop ball together. Um, we could, that made a big buzz on Twitter yesterday as well. Oh, the one Niang, the turnaround Niang in the paint. Yeah, the turnaround he missed completely. Yeah, it was chatter because of what? Because he shot it, or because he shot it right here. Well, I think uh, the, the first one I saw that got the most amount of reach was the fact that, uh oh, Simmons is shooting. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I guess I didn't, I, I didn't watch that during the game. So I went to, I was like, oh, was, did he make this? And then it was completely, it was, it was a completely miss, but they set you up thinking he's, he's going to make it. Yeah, uh, in the tweet. It, was like a, it was like a dart throw. Yeah. Eh, you know, yeah, at least he's attempting it, though, because, you know, back in the day, uh, Sixers fans, we'd be happy that he attempted that. I, I thought he attempted those shots earlier in his, earlier in his career. He did shoot that. Yeah. He did shoot that it, way it, more often. Yeah. Than he did later this time in Philly. Mm-hmm. He was actually starting to do it again going into the playoffs that last year, and then reverted back to you know whatever. No. Yeah, but we're gonna get more into uh, what we saw in uh, the first preseason game with the, the last question on tonight's show. But uh, we're gonna get things started with the some little bit training camp talk. So last week uh, the, uh, on the NBA app. We had unprecedented access into training camp. Uh, we got to see a, uh, a specific conversation between Doc and uh, James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, this is something that's made a lot of rounds on, on uh, social media. But uh, Doc told him, quote, we got to establish Joel and you. There's a pecking order. This ain't a democracy. And this, he's telling Harden they need to get and be the ball as much as possible. Then Harden needs to get his. And then everyone else, which is kind of what Eric kind of said last year when we first got um, uh, Harden. Um, so what do you guys kind of make of this? Because everyone online is interpreting it in their, their own different way on it. But what do you make of this, uh, Eric? Um, I would say it's like who thought it would be different, though? Like like who, who thought that it wouldn't, you know, Joel wouldn't be first and James would be second? Like 
was there someone thinking it shouldn't be like that? I think it's people like, trying to make something out of it saying like, there's a lot of takes on this, but one of them was like, is Harden disagreeing with him? Does Harden think he wants to, does Harden think he needs to just dribble around and find people like he used to do? Or why are they even having this? It should be common sense by now type thing. Um, he shouldn't even need to tell him this at this point, that kind of stuff. I agree. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't really understand why, unless it was just made for television. I, I didn't understand like why you would have like this kind of conversation. Like, like, you know, people, don't, it's like teams don't come out and say, hey, this is our situation. It's our death chart. And this is, you know, the pecking order as far as who gets the most touches, who should get the most shots. Like teams don't come out and say it, but we can go around the whole league and kind of figure that out. Yeah. Um, and that's why I did. I don't understand that, you know, Joel is <clears throat> number one. Now, if there was a conversation about, if someone's out the game or, you know, someone's injured, then yeah, I get it. Now we may, we, maybe we didn't get the whole context of the conversation, but I, I just, if it's just going into the season and going to a game and, and this is the first time they had this conversation, like I'll be very shocked. So I, I really think it was just made for television or it's more to it. First, let me say the mic'd up thing was cool. I, I like that yeah. a lot. That was great. Yeah. And, and yeah, some of it is, because they know they're mic'd, right? Um, but I I like, even though, yes, it, I do agree with elements that it should have been said already. I think part of it is that habits are hard to break, right? Harden's had the habit of having to create something out of nothing and having to be the magician and pull the rabbit out of his hat when he's got four guys next to him, right? And even though he's played half a season with Embiid and a much more talented roster overall, he might just have to be reminded that once in a while, like, Hey man, I noticed in the last possession, you kind of dribbled around for like that 16 seconds. We don't need to do that. Like you don't, you don't need to do that anymore. Break, break all of that. Cause at one point Harden was like, Oh, I'm not the president no more. Yeah. And you're, you're right. You're not like, I, I, you know that, right. So you, you get it. Um, let Joel get his. You get yours, and then because of you getting yours and Joel getting his, everything will come easier. I think that's kind of what he was saying, and I think Harden will thank him at season's end when his legs aren't jello because he had to dribble around for 20 seconds to create something. You don't have to do that anymore. This will save yourself a lot of, of energy in your legs when you realize that. Just make it simple, man. Go to Joel. Let him dominate when – three people regarding Joel, then you can play one-on-one with somebody and dominate. And then when four guys are dedicated to watching you and Joel, then everyone else will have single coverage and like half an eye on them. Like Maxine Harris playing against single coverage all the time. That's great. I'll, I welcome that. Um, so, I mean, if it's something that Doc think he needed to tell him and remind him, just be like, hey, just as a reminder, this isn't Houston anymore, then whatever. Get get it out of the way now so you don't tell him this in game five. Um, so, I... I I think it was good. I think it was cool to hear that. Yeah. Um, but he also did say, and there was another quote there. He, he kind of talked to him about being the facilitator that he is and that he kind of, you know, he's kind of setting it up. He's setting everything up for everyone. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that they had to have that conversation and it was for TV and the, and the NBA app. Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit dramatized, maybe. 
I'm sure there will be lineups where he will have to do that. Mm-hmm. Usually when there's no Joel on the floor and maybe no Maxi on the floor, then yeah, now it's time to arrange and create things using yeah. your skills. At yeah, you. But that's what I'm saying. Like, don't we know this? Like, we, we talk about what, so on one hand, we talk about winning the championship. On the other hand, we talk about what the pecking order is. <laughs> After training camp started, like, come on, man. Got to be made for television. <laughs> Ask me. Unless James is so, so concerned with getting other people involved and not getting his own, he could be like, no, no, don't worry about them yet. I could be it too. Getting them, they'll get yours when you get yours. That, That's what- that makes sense as far as. If we're if they're having a conversation, it's it's not about who's the number one. It's about, hey, dude. If we once we establish Joel, it got it has to be you. That and makes then sense. everyone else. And then everyone else. Yeah. Now that makes sense. That's why I said it got it has to be either made for television or more a different more different context to it. He, he did say he said uh, uh, it's a pecking order. Joel, feed Joel, and then and then you and and then everybody else. Um, so I think Harden gets that, but again, I think, I think Harden might just get lost into like that whole, let me lead the league and assist. Like, because no, yeah, I mean, I I mean, and and there was times when we, we felt that James needed to be more aggressive. And and I, I, I do believe that, but I do believe that it doesn't have to always be with his ball in the ball in his hands the whole time. Yeah. So that's that's the part that it'll be interesting to see how they do that. So if Doc is saying, hey, this is the plan going, but how how are we going to do it? Um, is it just, hey, here you go, let's give you some pick and rolls and you go ISO one-on-one? Or is he gonna come off screens from behind the defense and catch and play? Um, is he gonna catch and shoot? Are you gonna run plays for him without the ball? Uh, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll see. Based on the playoffs, especially against Miami, the whole team definitely needs to work in work on uh, getting the ball to Embiid in the post because that seemed like a major problem for them at the end of the last. That game. seems to be a, a, a league-wide thing. You're right. A, a lot it of coaches, a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of older guys, especially older coaches that coach in the league and even in college, they all talk about how guys struggle throwing the ball into the post. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was such a routine thing for us because it was so, such a big emphasis. Whereas now it's not that big of an emphasis. So true. I don't think it's necessarily it's post, but holding your post position as well. So I think it's a combination of both. And you may not have a big seven footer <laughs> that's you know that you're throwing the throwing the ball to down there. So yeah, most of those guys are out by the three point line now. That's yeah. why. So <laughs> I think I read or heard. That they there was a day in practice where you had to throw the ball to Joel. Did I hear that right? Yeah, it was it was a, it was a drill they had that they, they couldn't pass anybody else besides Joel. There you go. So they or makes set. me feel good to know they realize it. They know it. So yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you're big and you be your outlet as well, especially when you have a a guy like him that can score at different levels. Mm-hmm. So if he's an outlet, finding him, and sometimes that breaks the defense down. And it breaks pressure. Like Shaquille O'Neal wasn't necessarily a guy that initiated their offense with the Lakers, but he could break pressure because he was so big. They could just throw him the ball, mm-hmm. him break pressure, and then they get into any kind of set from there. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah. A, a lot of what Doc said is what Shaq has said a lot. Like when we've done, when we had our games on TNT, where he said when it was him and Kobe, he said, I would go get my 10 or 12 and then start the game off. And then, then Kobe would go to his 10 or 12. But that, you know, that they, they kind of play off each other like that. And that's kind of what it seemed like that's what Doc's saying, I guess. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Kobe was different than James as yeah. far as going, going to get it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. But um, so everyone, so talking about training camp, a lot of Sixers fans are very uh, happy and excited to see what what's the kind of camaraderie element that we have with, with our team. You know, you got the obviously the Philadelphia Rocket players, then you got Maxi Harden, so that bit older brother, little brother thing they got going on. Uh, MB just being the um the, the top dog on the team with everybody. Um, and every, and and also PJ Tucker said that him and Harden wanted to match up two years ago, and they wanted to come play with MB. So there's this this kind of this whole camaraderie element, and everyone seems to be excited and kind of lollipops and roses. Um, no so, place like Philly, apparently. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. It's a, it's a big time honeymoon period. Um, but my question is, so first week of camp, Eric, the first uh, the first week isn't that supposed to be the kind of the high spirit for the entire season for the team? Um, and how much stock can you put to how great everyone feels right now? Because everyone in Philadelphia right now thinks with the way the team's feeling, this team's going to go all the way. This is the year based on how how close the team is right now. Well, I mean, it, it starts with. And I know we've talked about it. I know Tasia's mentioned it before. Um, going into the season, even though this group is has a lot of different pieces, it has a group that were that that know each other, so that are familiar with each other. Um, so that bondage is already there in some in some ways. So I think you going in and you have that, even though like most teams, you still have sort of clicks. Um, but I, I think that you have a lot of guys that are coming in, know each other, um, willing to work, but having that common goal of let's win this, let's win this, let's play hard, let's compete, let's win this. Seem to have no issues and no friction off the court, um, at least right now. Um, so hopefully that's the carryover, and that's kind of brings the enthusiasm with the team, which kind of you can see it as a fan watching. Um, so hopefully that continues because that could win you some games down the line that that, that could be crucial for the season. Tasia, what would you make of uh, kind of the camaraderie that uh, we've seen so far in training camp? Are you placing a bet on the Sixers to win the whole thing based on what you've seen over the last week? <laughs> I think we're going to have like a prop uh, season show at some point. I, I have a lot of props I will take already to start the year. But, yes, I will – 50 and a half wins, man. I'm jumping all over the over on that. I suggest that anyone listening do the same. Um, I, I, I think that is going to be over, a, guy. That is going to be a great bet. That's going to be 51 soon, and then 51 and a half. Watch in the next week or two before the season starts, it will go up. Um, I, uh, I guess it isn't always sunshine and rainbows, though. It's storming in Phoenix, look, sounds like. Um, but, yeah, everyone came into camp the way they should. I think most guys, like you said, know each other already, either from last year or playing with Houston. So everyone's really well acquainted already. And it's just a you get to watch them, too. It's like they've been playing together for years. Some of them have been. But it's just a really cool, laid-back bunch. Um, and they all, they're just all in on winning. They're, they're at different points of their careers, different ages. But except for Tucker, does anyone have – a ring there? 
Is Tucker the only guy with the ring on our team? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. So, like, I mean, it's not even a lot of guys that went to the finals, I believe. Yeah, yeah, you might be right about that too. I don't think because House didn't make it with any Our other main teams. guys, haven't <laughs> No, definitely not. Yeah, so it's a team of guys all different ages who like who have been on a lot of winning teams too, right? Like House between his Utah days and, and, and even Houston, he's played a lot of winning teams. Obviously, Harden has. Um, and beat on this just on this team. Everyone's played a lot of winning teams, they just haven't won. So I think it's a bunch of guys who have flirted with being that team that year that didn't couldn't get it done, led by the guy who's been on many uh, championship favorite teams who couldn't get it done. So it's like it's really it's an interesting group of guys who have a lot of like slashes against them who want to just do away with all that stuff. And they want to they all have the same goal in mind to win. And and they're just it's not also too it's it's we're finally away from the rosters of Oh, make it work. Oh, they're so talented. They're going to find a way to get it done. We, we've had a lot of that in Embiid's tenure here. It's always been like, yeah, maybe it's not the best fit, but it's so talented. They're just going to get it done this year. Um, it's not the case. They have a skill set perfectly designed around Embiid. A lot of guys perfectly around him. It's the most perfect roster we've had around Embiid since he's been here. I'd say from top to bottom, from, you know, first man to last man. Um and there's just no excuse. Sure, we might need another, you know, three and deer, but the roster's deep. It's fun, and they like each other. Uh, it's just a feel good lock rocker and to be around. And I, I, yeah, I mean, it should be that way right now, but it doesn't have to be, right? We've had a lot of beginning of the seasons where it's been like, you know, it's it's yeah, sure, we get paid a lot of money, but it's a job. It's such a kind of. But I don't get that from these guys at all. They they want to be there. And they like each other. It's fun to go there every day. Yeah. Yeah, and especially I think because like when we got Harden, everyone was like, "Oh, this guy's a cancer coming to Philadelphia." You know that team's no, no, no one's gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna ever click with each other. There's never gonna be any chemistry there. But it's like it's been the exact opposite since he's come to Philadelphia. Like that whole narrative is just like I haven't seen that at all. It seems like he's really embraced the team, and the team's embraced him back. And it helps when you have buy-in from you know the president and. and uh, you know <laughs> also though i mean eric eric as a player when you're going to another team and when you hear that stuff and it's a known thing you kind of want to do the opposite too right like, let me show these guys that i'm not yeah i mean it's a bad it, dude it brings it to focus it, 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 you all you, it depends on whether you take a you know take a look in the mirror and how much you think that's on you and how much you don't so it really depends on the particular person and how they address it and two things that happened since harden's come here one he obviously saw his own, you know, degradation, and he took less money. And two, Brooklyn fell apart afterwards. So it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not me. I'm a team player. I got guys here, and the last place I went came from went to shit after I left. So it wasn't me in Brooklyn. Sorry, not me. Yeah. Uh, so with our, our next topic. So playing off how excited and enthusiastic us Sixers fans are, and you know, the Sixers community really is about this team. Um, it really hasn't been shared amongst a lot of the uh, the talking heads in the, the the sports world. Like I know I was listening to Stephen A. Smith, and he was kind of dismissing the Sixers as like the third best team in the East. Um, you know, Joel B. can't stay healthy. Um, Harden's not going to perform in the playoffs, like that kind of stuff. So this next question is: um, Which playoff narrative are you most tired of? Of all the ones that are being said about us, so Doc Choke Artist can't win. 
Um, he has one rings. He should have had way more than one with that Boston team and with the LA teams that he had. Um, Embiid can't stay healthy. Um, every year there's a new excuse with Embiid, whether it's eye, you know, flu, um, or, or knee injury. Uh, yeah, and then meniscus, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Harden not being clutch and not being a playoff performer. So, which one of these uh, narratives are you kind of the most tired of as we approach the season when team when people are writing us off? Um, I would say Joel's injuries. I mean, even though that's an issue and a concern, um, he hasn't really had ish- he hasn't had injuries that kept him out for a playoff. Like he's not here. Um, he may have missed some games or he's playing injured. Um, so I, I would like to see that kind of go away. And I would like to see him, you know, have a clean and healthy season as well. And how unfair, I mean, as a player, Eric, it puts you guys in such a tough spot because you're damn if you do, damn if you don't, in a way. Because if you don't play, then it's like, oh, great, where is he now? You can't tough through it. But if you play and play injured and your play suffers because of it, yeah, sure, you get the excuses in the beginning, maybe for the first, like, week People make those excuses for you. Oh, but he's playing on a broken ankle or a broken wrist or torn meniscus. But after a while, people kind of forget that you played with those injuries. And then it just became, oh, he didn't play that well that year. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really it's really on. Um, it's not all on the player, even though from a perspective, a fan or people watching the game, he put it all on the player. But it's really if the player puts himself out there as far as trying to play and he's injured. It's really up to coaching to decide if that's helping or hurting the team. That's that's really a coach's decision once he plays. Um, so some coaches get, you know, I, I'm still going to stick with this guy. And some be like, no, I'm pulling back. So it's only really up to the player if he can, you know, if a doctor says you're able to go, but it's to your pain tolerance. That's up to the player to decide. But it's up to the coach to decide how he's playing, how much he's going to play, and how you're going to use him. So players may get the bulk of the criticism, but it's not all on on them. But doesn't that put him in a tough spot? Because 60% of Embiid is still way better than whoever's going to play. And that's what most and that's what most coaches tell him. But it's still way below what he's capable of. So as a viewer, we're like, that's not Embiid, but it's, it's, it's all about it. does that give you the best chance to win? Mm. That, that's what it's truly about. If that sixty percent gives you the best chance to win, then it may give you the best chance to win, but it still may not be good enough. Mm, yeah. So exactly. at the end of the day, you try, you just didn't get it done. I know, but unfortunately, viewers, fans, but, but that, I'm just saying. So good. so sixty percent in a hundred. If you lose, you it's the same. It's going to come the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the question you had, <laughs> it's a good one too, because they're all, they get brought up a lot. <laughs> um, it's such a dismissive manner too. Any, any single go on social media, look at any single like positive sixer post, like hard look great last night. They did this boom. You'll see like these three, man, you can right clicker <laughs> on these. They're all <laughs> over the place on those. Uh, I'd love to count which one, actually, there's a poll. We should do a poll of viewers just to see, like, what is the number one excuse you see. Um, 
All of them have a level of accuracy, though, which is what really stings. Like, they all have a level of accuracy because, yes, Doc has had very talented rosters that he hasn't won with. There are excuses and reasons why, and he went over it last year, oddly. Um, Yeah, Harden hasn't performed best when his back's against the wall in the playoffs. It's true. And, yes, Embiid has been injured or badly sick almost every single year in the playoffs. I think the most frustrating one and I think the one that is tied to our team's success if I can erase one of these would be what Eric said is Embiid's health because if Embiid's fully healthy in the playoffs then Harden doesn't need to be the guy doing that heroic Harden-Houston game he doesn't need to do that anymore and if Embiid's healthy fully healthy then it brings down the, the probability of Doc choking away something so I think it all matters about Embiid's health. I think that is the the, the first and foremost thing. Um, it's also the most frustrating because you can't control that. Like, you know, he got injured. It was a freak elbow or he got really sick because of whatever. It, it's out of his control. It really is. And it, it, it's, it sucks because the other two are avoidable. Uh-huh. I, I will say this, though. I think the hardened ones are a little unfair. And I was never a huge Harden fan before he came to Philly. Um, and I, I was probably one of the people dogging him in Houston saying these things. But <laughs> you go back to his years in Houston. Everyone says, oh, man, they go to this list of all the great players Harden's played with. Who are the really two, the two best players he's played with? Not in Houston. I'm not counting OKC because he was a kid in OKC playing six-man role. They didn't know what they were doing over there yet. In Houston, Russ and CP3. Okay. Russ, I think we found out over the years, great player, killed it in stats. I don't think his stats always translated to wins and losses. I think he's a stat stuffer. I, I totally agree. And his stats. I don't are- agree with that, but okay. Okay. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> um, but, but Russ and, and, and we didn't know that Russ needed a certain kind of fit yet. We thought Russ could go with anyone, and I don't think Russ and Harden really fit, and we found that out. They found that out really quickly when they saw that. Um, and then CP3, who coincidentally is also a guy that was there for most of Doc Rivers' choke artist years. So I think it's funny that CP3 sneaks on by a lot of these criticisms when Harden's to blame for all of his uh, 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 choking, and Doc Rivers is uh, is blamed for all of his choking, well then, CP three deserves thirty three percent of that as well. Then, if we're, yeah, if we're I, I don't, in in my circles, Chris hasn't escaped it. Uh-huh. Um, I think his time in Phoenix has, has helped him. Oh, but leading yeah. up to that point, uh, in my circles that I'm in, he he he's he gets it, mm, and at yeah. times he gets it more than I even thought he should. Mm, okay, so in your circles, less point God and less you know. <laughs> no, nah, it was just can't win, can't do it in the playoff like it's. And, it's, and I'm talking about some NBA circles. Yeah. Not okay. from a fan circle, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I agree with that, right? If, if Harden gets it, Harden gets it publicly way worse than I think CB3 gets it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is unfair. Yeah, and, and I think some of – That was a great you know, roster. They probably would have beat the Warriors. Some, that of, some of James getting it, I believe, has to do with maybe – him also getting criticized um, with his lifestyle. Yep. I, I think yeah. that has something to do with it. I think, you know, people kind of mix it. 
because it's the one thing I've heard is he he stalls out at the end of the year in the playoffs. Yep. Um, or or it's a conditioning thing, or he, he's out of shit. So so you kind of hear more of the lifestyle off the court things about James than when Chris and then the other guys. So Russ is probably more on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know all three of those guys. You know it's. It depends on what you're looking for, because I've said it before. We, we look at Steph Curry, and, and and he passes the eye test all the time. But you go look in the NBA re- record books or stat book, and Chris Paul has more assists and points, or at least he did the last time I looked. And Russell Westbrook and James Harden has more points, rebounds, and assists than Steph Curry. Um, So... It's just, but Steph Curry's really good and looked at as a better player, and he's looked at it, and the team is better. Yeah, so, also also because Curry kind of embodies the new NBA, the jacking up fifty footers and hitting them, you know. But but he but he does so much more. No, no, he does. He does. Like, but he, he um, it's just it's winning. His team wins. Yeah. If you give James or Russ those championships, they would look at Steph different. Mm. Yes, you're already trying to look at it differently now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. the whole thing that, like it used to be, winning matters. Like winning truly do matters when it comes Harden, down to Harden's been a solo act in an era of super teams. Though you're not going to win against that. I don't care how good what one player is. No one's going to be all these super teams every year, right? I mean, that's why Maybe. even the best player had to get a super team. You, it depends on how you look at it. They had a 3-2 lead also. Yeah. CB3 got hurt, though, right? So, and then they had a home game. It became a solo act once CB3 got hurt. I'm just hurt, saying though. it really just – so so it's it does. But you can win a game because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. And I think you know what I'm saying? The solo act it, is when, it's, it's different when you're talking about win a series. But if it's won a game, it's different. So let's go back to Russell Westbrook for a second. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so Russell Westbrook hasn't won because won of, what? A championship. Well, I mean, they had a three-two lead and a five-point lead. With a minute and 30 seconds left, and KD had the ball the whole time and turned it over. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, should, I mean, and people complained about him not giving. I'm just saying, I love both of those guys, but I'm just saying that is a fact, right? Yes. Yes. And I don't think KD should have left, but that's, that's another whole other topic. I'm just saying, but that, that's a fact, right? Yeah, it is. But that was, that's not on Russ. Now, a lot of things may be on him, but that's not. And I think KD would t- absorb a lot of the same criticism that Russ is, but KD got got smart and went to a team that's already built to go a thousand miles per hour. I mean, KD's looked at as, as as a better player. He's 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 looked at as a better player. He's looked at it as a more efficient player. That's why. He's still good. Like them guys are still really, really good. Oh no, no. I, yeah. I just I don't understand why it's People could criticize Russ when they say he don't win, but then on the other hand, you don't want to give another guy credit 
for winning. Mm. It's true. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to give Steph credit credit for winning, but you criticize Russ for not winning. You criticize James Harden for not winning. Mm-hmm. Like w- what is it? Does winning matter or not? Yeah. And if winning does matter, then why do you criticize them when they go play with somebody else? You think Curry gets a lot of criticism for winning, or not, or not enough credit for winning? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying I, I've seen it both ways. I've seen people not give him enough credit because that's when they said, "Well, he had KD for two of them, or he had he had these other guys. Yeah, he didn't play as well, or he wasn't the Finals MVP. All these different things that people say when you win, when you don't win. So I'm just saying, like, it's if either one is gonna matter, and it doesn't. But with as far as Russ, it's like what people say he had stats, but his record, he has a winning record when he does it, when he gets triple doubles. Mm. He has a winning record, not a losing record. So how do you explain Washington being as bad as they were or the Lakers? Because it's just one season. Well, and, been- and, and I think Washington was just like, like, come on, man, it's Washington. Like they hadn't been. No, 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 I'm not saying that from a standpoint. It wasn't like he went. But they barely got in. I'm not saying they should have. No, won. what I'm saying. I'm not saying Washington's bad. I'm just saying he I mean, went to them and they basically stayed where they were. Yeah, maybe he didn't elevate them. Yeah, but they weren't like already a top team and they sunk. Like the no, Lakers no. kind of went down. But I think a lot of that had to do with injuries. A lot of that has to do with bad pickups. Two ball, two dominant ball handles. Like, let's be real about it. So, I think some of that was fit. You just have a one guy that gets criticized because he missed shots. But if you take a lot of these guys and tell them that dominate the ball, and tell them, "Hey, we're gonna stick you over in the corner, or stick you in the dunker, and just catch and shoot," their numbers are going and their play will go down too. Yeah. So where would you, you're also a Westbrook guy, where would you put him? If you could place, forget salary, if you could place him on any roster, where do you think he'd flourish the most? Because I, I have a hard time with this myself. He could, he, could, he could be your dominant ball handler. You need to put guys around him that can catch and shoot and defend. But you, you, need, you need him to be your primary, like a ball handler, and you can have another primary ball handler on the team but they gotta mix their minutes. But if and I and I don't mean by I shouldn't say primary ball handler as much as I say dominant ball handlers. You can't have him around a dominant ball handler. Yeah. And the reason why I think it kind of worked with KD is because KD is just like so efficient with it. He don't he don't, he, he need touches, but he don't need to dominate the ball to yeah. be effective. Yeah. Um, whereas if he's playing with James Harden or he's playing with LeBron James, like both of those guys, they just hold the ball all day. So if you're the Lakers and you got LeBron James, like you're gonna give him the ball and you're gonna yeah. tell Russ just, just stand up and, and then when he don't make a shot, we'll be like, well, you're not making shots. But that's that's not what he does. So that's more of a personnel decision that 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 faltered more so than anything else. I mean, it, most people predicted that, and it wasn't. But but we just criticized him. So much like he can't play the game of basketball. Yeah, people, I think, you know, I, like I you look at people, people say people would say he missed shots. 
Do you think he padded stats last year? No. With the Lakers? Did you see his numbers? They weren't that outside of his normal numbers. That's what I'm saying. Look at look at see what he averaged. <laughs> per 36, they're pretty close to his normal numbers. That's I mean, he averaged what? 17, 7, and 7 or something crazy. And I do not like blame the Lakers on Westbrook at and all. And they I said think. he had an awful year. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's unfair. I, I think I think there's a lot of maybe he is partly to blame. One of many no, no, he has to take some blame. But he's not the um, he has to take some blame for um in the shots. Yeah, I think he ultimately has to take some some blame for you know, you always if you're one missing shots, you gotta take some blame. Um teams and coaches can take some blame as far as how they play you and where they play you. Um but I think the biggest thing with Russ is his defense and turn the ball over, taking yeah. care of the ball. Mm. Um, I think if he does, if he takes care of the ball, very efficient, and his defense is better, the, the you can deal with the shots because you can move him around and try to you know play him in different ways to where he's not just sitting out there catching and shooting the whole time. Because teams are going to try to have him do that because they probably feel like he does everything else better. So from a defensive standpoint, that's what you would want to do. Yeah. Put guys in position to do things that they don't do best. Yeah, I think he would have been a great fit if they didn't make all they made a lot of moves and they have way too many guys anyway. But so, if they could, so so the, so, so ultimately Clippers would have been a great fit is, is yeah, just I don't particularly know a team, but sort of the same way Luca's being used is kind of what he needed in his career. Now he'll get all just like Luke get all those great numbers and they, tr- they try it. He can do that though. They try. But I'm just saying, like Luke would do it. James did it. Russ did it. The same thing y'all saying about them too. They're gonna start saying about Luca too if he don't win the championship. Yeah, it's but the same thing with a similar built team though. OKC didn't go as far as didn't look as good and dynamic as the Houston. As a Houston Harden team or the Luka Dallas team? Well, the Houston Harden team system, they had guys that fit their system better. I'm talking about like the OKC, at least with even like Paul George. And Paul George didn't want to stay there with him. No, I wouldn't say stay there with him. I mean, guys ain't knocking down the door to go to OKC. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they didn't have their. Top two free agents leave. <laughs> yeah. I so so you're saying if you put Russ on Dallas, you just even swap with with Luca. No, that would be that I mean, would be right a playoff now, team. Right now, you can't compare. No, guys not, no. Of course, you got early in his career. Would they be a playoff team? You think with him right now? Even a playoff team? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they would compete for the playoffs. Yes. I don't think they'll be a top four team because Luca's on a different level right now. No, no, yeah, I mean, even yeah, but I'm just saying, and the team, the team is built for him. Um, but it's you know, Luca makes plays big, the size. Like I was, you know, I have one of my good friends is um, a Mavericks fan, and I didn't realize that Luca's three point percentage wasn't very high. I thought it was just watching him play. I thought it was way higher than it is. Yeah, you said free throw or three point. Three points. And not, neither really yeah. have been great, actually. Yes. Free throw. So I, I kind of knew the free throws, but yeah, the three point percentage, I actually thought it was much better than it was. Mm. Um, so that's sort of 
he does so much and he's a gamer where he makes so many big shots mm-hmm. that you kind of like don't really pay attention to him missing threes. Um, but no, I just, I mean, I think you know, Russ obviously he's an older guy. I think that he, he probably needs to evolve and, and um, become more of a, more of a off the ball guy. Um, and I think the way you do that is obviously you got to make shots, but you got to, Take care of better care of the ball, um, defend better, do a little more things outside of just handling the ball and catching the shoot. So I think if if that happens, um, you know, better things will come. It's just that, you know, people look at him and look at the salary and look at what he's yes. always done. It's now the salary I'm sorry, like, well, you gotta be up to a certain status to make that kind of money. And then when he do it, oh well, he's you know, he's just patting stats like. Now, I played in the league. The one thing I know is hard to do, like, it's, you know, people say it's, it's hard to pass stats. It's not really hard to pass stats for certain guys. Um, some guys it is. It's, it's, some stats are hard to get. Like a guy that doesn't really have the ball a lot, it's hard for you to get assists. Yep. You know, a guy that's on the perimeter, it's hard for you to get a lot of rebounds. Um. But it still takes a lot of, you know, Russ talent may be his condition. <laughs> to be able to go and do all of that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, look at LeBron James. When you take LeBron James, what's LeBron James? You had to pick his top two talents. What do you think it is? Just guess. Just, you know, we just guessing there. Now, he's arguably, you know, he's one of the best. I don't, I don't get into the ratings. He's one. He is one of the best to ever play this game. Making others around him better, I'd say, probably number one or two. Um, Russ is on this team. He <laughs> just said he didn't get better. Nobody didn't make him better. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's so, why I think so, he's gotten uh, so much criticism because people do not want to dog LeBron. So it's like, okay, well, then whose fault is it? Well, Trust I'm just saying, you think Anthony Davis got better? Well, and if he's get on the court first, I'm just I'm when your nickname three clothes okay. ain't so good. That's, yours making everybody better. What would be number two? It's not making him healthier. That's for damn sure. What's what's number two? Oh, LeBron's attributes. Yeah, I'm just saying. Let's like just think about it. Now he's he is one of the best to ever play, but yeah. no one two things come to mind like right away. Yeah, I'd say yeah, playmaking and 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 making like they're they're kind of similar, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mark? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I would say being being a facilitator, being one of the, the better passers in the league. I can't really think of anything else, though. I mean, that he did go. Yeah, hold on, hold on. You can think but of a lot. I'm saying it's interesting when you think about that. But the, you know, my thing with LeBron is that he's so good at everything. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's his athletic ability. Yeah. With his size, yes, mm-hmm. to set some apart, yeah, be that big, that strong, that fast. Easier name is what he's not great at, actually, and his feel for the game, his feel. But he's also a guy that studied the game, knows it. He's very smart. He's very cerebral. Like he knows the game. He knew the history of the game. So those things right there, you mix it with that athletic ability and how hard he works and. That's what you get. But I'm just saying, like, but 
you don't nothing really pops out. Like if you say Steph Curry, oh yeah, yeah, his his shooting is ball handling, like mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. Almost like, but it depends. Like all of that stuff to me are skill sets. When people say skill sets, they just think dribbling, shooting, you know, defense, mm-hmm. rebounding. But all of that other stuff is skill sets too. Yeah. Because we can't, you know, a lot of people just can't go work and learn it. And now all of a sudden I'll become LeBron James, you know, thinking. I can think like LeBron, but I got to feel the game like him. We definitely can't go and grow his size. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so people have, like, that's one of the, So my point in saying that was a guy like Russ has skill sets that may not be the popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him to be, as effective as he is in that league, he is a top 75 player of all time. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. But to dismiss him like he can't play the game of basketball, to me, is very rude. Yeah. I, I agree. I wasn't saying that. I just think, yeah, but people have gone – the pendulum swings hard, man. It swings hard both ways. And I think all that love that he got garnered and just swung hard the other, other well, way. Well, I, I think some of that has to do with playing for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we real about that. So, yeah, so when he was with OKC, obviously he was younger, but like, no, I don't. I don't think people give a crap. I mean, you know, you were the late, you with the Lakers, and and people say whatever they got to say. Houston, Washington, OKC is going to put a statue up. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And all the LeBron truthers who don't want to blame LeBron for the Lakers not being as good as they should be have to blame somebody. Yeah. Yeah, Russ I mean, is a very easy target. Yeah, I get it, but like I said, in OKC, he's viewed differently. Mm-hmm. So, and then you look at what he did there, and you look at more importantly what he did in that community. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's etched in stone there. So we can feel how we be wonderful. I know how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe we got so much in common as far as our shooting. I, I'm related. I'm relatable to him. <laughs> but no, I. I mean, it's just hard for me to. You know, I don't criticize guys. I know what it takes to just play in that league. Yeah. So it's hard for me to sit. And but you're right. Though. You touched upon the salary part. The salary part has a lot to do with it. Yes. It's the Tobias Harris syndrome. Yes. It's like no matter how good you play, you have to almost play perfect. To it to match what you make, and, and, and it's all magnified in LA. Yeah, and yes, and that's why I said if you looked at his numbers, you see what he did from a point guard standpoint or from a guard standpoint, his numbers look great. Yeah, if he was making ten million, they wouldn't complain. But it was just the fact that the things that he didn't do well there were magnified, but they were really magnified because they were losing. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. like when you I've lose, seen guys, I've seen guys put up stats like that on bad teams. Though Michael Carter Williams was averaging like seventeen, seven, and seven. Yeah. So I'm just saying, when you, you, you lose because it's like, oh, okay, well, so then whatever, whatever feeling people had about him previously, especially the people that didn't pretty care for, pretty much care for him, going to the Lakers, that's just going to magnify things. Oh, I told you he was. So you got all of that going on. Yep. But a lot of the people that didn't want to see it work and well, it's easy yeah. to- I mean, but I, I know he's a good dude. Yeah. That's that's what that's one thing I do know. And you see um 
the one thing, you know, even with Patrick Beverly talking about him now, I'm talking about the thing, the one thing that Patrick Beverly never says, they could talk, all guys talk trash and do all that stuff, but you've never heard him say he's a bad dude. Yeah. You won't hear it. Yeah. So. Oh, oh well. We went off the whole show and, and um, <laughs> Sage didn't say anything about Bible going one for three. Two, well, three, three well, that's our last. That's our last topic, right, Eric? That's our last topic right here. You guys, you guys, you guys, Russell Westbrook uh, to- topic there. <laughs> um, all right. So, a uh, final topic, as we mentioned earlier, uh, preseason uh, began uh, yesterday. Um, so, first question for you guys, or last question of the night: uh, What were your thoughts on the preseason game without Embiid, Harden, and Tucker, and House? And we, and it, the great point was, we won this game. By like what uh, nineteen, and we were up twenty at one point when the starters of the Nets were going against our guys. What I think only Tobias, Tobias <laughs> and and uh, Max were the only ones from our starting five that were were actually in the starting starting five. Um, so they had a twenty point lead uh, with those guys in the court together, and Maxie had twenty points. So, um, what was your thoughts on this uh, on this victory over the Nets? Well, I thought the enthusiasm was excellent. Um, guys seemed excited to be playing. Um, Maxine went on the roll early in that first in that first quarter, um, hit those shots right away. So I think that that kind of was a carry over to other guys, and they just had a rhythm. Um, they were making shots, uh, making plays. You know, I think it would have been game playing differently defensively if if it was a regular season game. But I was I was excited with the approach and you know different guys playing and the way they approached the game and played and competed. And for the most part, played the win. Um, so I was excited about that. Tage, what were your takeaways? Man, um, jam, jam-packed. Uh, I, the first preseason game, it's like what they're applying everything they're practicing in camp, right? And they just look so in tune for this, which is awesome. I, that's why I think we're going to click early and win a lot of games. Um, 15 and a half, go over. Uh Love the energy of the second unit, uh, which is actually comprised mostly of our third unit, which is interesting. So the first unit actually was our second unit. So they played great too, obviously. So if you're a struggling player in the second unit, man, you have a, you have a player behind you who can play. So the, the competition throughout the season to get minutes is going to be crazy. Um, Maxi was the best player on the floor with, uh, you know, like three to two other top 10, 15 players in the NBA, which is awesome. Um, Loved Harold, and I've showed a lot of hate for Harold over the years when he played for other teams. I'm gonna love him in in the season. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna. I, I know it, man. There's a certain guys who are like, oh gosh, I'm so happy he's here. For all of his faults, I'm not saying he's perfect, but over the past few years, I've seen, especially our second unit, go on crazy offensive droughts. Um, he's a guy who's gonna be in there, and, and he can get buckets. He creates a lot of contact. And his free throw looked good. Um, if he can shoot 75, he shot, I think, 72 or 73 with percent with the Washington. Uh, if he can get the 75 to 80 and create that much contact on the bench, man, I know he fouled out in like 12 minutes, but with Joel, you're not even going to need to play much more than 12 minutes a game anyway, 12 to 18 anyway. So, yeah, play aggressive, foul. You're only going to be out there for a little bit limited yeah, time. Fouling early in preseason, you see some guys that have that issue like that. That doesn't surprise me. But, I mean, yeah, you know what? I I would be concerned if he was a starter and he's fouling out. Okay, whoa, 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 calm down. 
but he's only going to play 12 to 15. He knows how much he's going to play, so he knows what he can do in that time. Um, but I, I love it. as a backup five, him and uh, Paul Reed played great. Yeah. Having those two guys as your backup minutes, man, Paul Reed was guarding Durant, and he wasn't shutting him down, but he was annoying him because he's he got pretty quick lateral feet. He's long and he's tall. Um, and he puts that, a, that he was, puts a meat on he puts a meat on this uh, the summer too. Yeah, he did. Uh, love the rebounding effort off the glass. Everyone was boxed down every time. You could tell that was a huge point of emphasis after Miami dominated us on the boards. Um, I'm a huge Royce O'Neal fan. I wish we nabbed him. That was one of my other observations. Man, <laughs> as he was playing, I was like, damn it, he should be on our team. I wanted them all offseason too. Um, <laughs> Matisse and some of the fanatics out there who rewatched the game three times already, uh, you can let me know uh, in the comments. It looked like... <laughs> Because it looked like Matisse, there's a lot of pub about him altering his shot and tucking that elbow and getting a little more of a flick when he shoots. It looked like when he was open on those shots, on his open threes, it looked like he reverted back a little bit to that more like little chicken wing hanging out on those shots. Um, again, please, uh, viewers who watch the game again and again, let me know. But it looked like he reverted back a little bit when he was wide open. Maybe too much time to think about it. Any thoughts on that, Eric? Maybe like when you're when you're trying to alter your, alter your shot a little bit. Is it like tough to kind of like get that consistent uh, him? <laughs> hey, you want a Matisse? Here it is. A little no, segment man. here. But no, it's interesting. If he, he put he put in the time. He put in the time. Um, you know, you have your routine um in the repetitions and the confidence. You know, the routine, repetition, confidence. He's gonna have to do it as far as you can you can have it there when you're in practice but converting it a lot of times not to say that he did go off I don't really know because I didn't really compare the shots but it's very possible to convert to sort of your old thing by habit once you get in the games and that's something if that's the case you look at it on film and you try to correct it and try to make you know when you take your shots, try to make it as game realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. So you don't have sort of that, you know, going back to your, your body's kind of going back to the way things were. Um, so if it, I don't know if it happened, but if it did happen, it's, it's very possible. That does happen. But, um, you know, but he, he, you know, so let's see. What do you say? When you're working on a, a, a shot change, a mechanic change like that, mm-hmm. Would you, would it be more, um, would you revert back to the old way of doing it more when you're being heavily guarded and you have less time to think about it or when you're wide open, when you have way too much time to think about it? Uh, I mean, I think it's really just built into your, you know, where you are. I just think if you've built into truly changing it, you'll stick with that change. You look at a guy like Alonzo Ball who shot a certain way and he came back one after one off season, he's shooting totally different. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you just put in that work and you that routine, that repetition is confidence is there, you're going to stick with it no matter what. I think when guys make changes or revert back to something, is whenever they f- kind of get to the point where like this isn't working. Um, yeah. and I don't think that's the case for him, yeah. And then last thoughts on the game Melton's all over the place. Uh, love his tenacity energy. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That second unit's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then 
a negative. We let them tap the ball away from us on breaks way too much. Mm-hmm. And it was the first preseason game, but that that led to we would have killed them by way worse in the first half if they didn't tap like five balls out of our possession coming down on fast breaks. Uh, so that's just something that, you know, just. Yeah, some, of, some of that I think can be <clears throat> kind of controlled with spacing on your break. Um, if you're getting out wide, if you don't have the ball, you're getting out wide, you space the court. Most of the times guys won't run near the ball if they're guarding the guy that's spaced out um, because they're giving up clean looks or clean threes. Um, you know, and then you having your best ball handlers have the ball more, more often. So you can kind of clean up some of that stuff. Um, you know, that's usually not happening that much, especially how much you do in the in the in the game. Yeah, it happened a lot, but that's what preseason's for. It's you know, working on that kind of stuff and getting that little kinks out of the way. But um, yeah, it, I mean, overall it looked, looked great and uh and Brooklyn was trying, man. Those those Simmons, yeah. MB, Simmons, MB, Simmons, uh, uh, um, Durant, and Irving played a lot. With like 19 minutes each in that game. So they played a lot in the first half, and Irving was trying. He dove like for like five balls. So I'm not to say that meant – that wasn't game seven for them, but they were certainly trying more than a first preseason game. Yeah, yeah I mean, the limited amount of those preseason games now is different. You know, we play eight. Like, they don't play that many now. The season turns around so quick, so – some of those guys, once they know that they have those limited minutes, they want to kind of let me play the way I'm going to play in two weeks mm-hmm. because my, yeah. my minutes are limited. So you, 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 some guys just can't, yeah, I'm going to go through the motions now in two weeks. There we go. I'm turning back on. Some guys want to get into it right away, knowing they're about to come out. So you get into that rhythm of how you're going to play during the season, and then you're out. They definitely did, yeah. I also think it was just a comment on the rest day, rest for Embiid and Marvin. That's like that's like after Christmas break, coming back and taking the first day of school off. Like, oh yeah, I need one more. I need one more. Yeah, day. I, I didn't. You know, that's I, funny. I, I guess they have their reasons, but you know. no, no, it's fine. If they feel like it's saving them or whatever, it's not necessary. But that's that's cool with me. But I just thought it was funny a rest day after the entire off season. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they want them to get their first uh, taste hey, of the Look, at the home opener on it's Wednesday. coming. The 18th will be here before you know it. So yeah, yeah, you can't hide from that. It's coming. Yeah, nobody's complaining. Use them rest day. I'd rather you use them rest days now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. when they were shaking hands, the Nash and uh, Doc like said three, three more to each other, and three more games, yeah. <laughs> three more preseason games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, another takeaway for me when I know Isaiah Joe, uh, I think he went three for six from downtown last night. I mean, continuing that stroke that he had during the summer league. So, and that's that's one guy that we said we were we were going to be looking at going into. Uh, that's, that's the one thing I said before we go. That I said who's going to break out of that mm-hmm. that pack. So we'll, we'll see. Get that last roster spot. That's going to be a good race. This yeah. the last, and it's the last guy that can sneak some minutes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the part. You can shoot like that, man. You'll find your way onto the yeah. the, the roster. That's going to be, be interesting. Yeah. If you keep stroking like that, woo. Um, but all right, well, uh, so we got well, Cavs at home Wednesday, um, and then we have Cavs again on Monday, and then I believe we have one more. Uh, I guess the Hornets on the 12th. So three more three more preseason games. Then we got the, uh, the real deal. The real deal, Holyfield. 
All right. All right. But all right, guys, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Believe in 76ers presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys next week as we discuss more preseason ball. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.